It's good to be with the family of God, right? This life is difficult and it's challenging, but we got each other uh, to love and to encourage and to comfort, and I'm so thankful for that. There's a guy by the name of Patrick Lincioni, I think is how you say his last name. And he's written a book that is titled The Ideal Team Player. And in this book, he focuses on three indispensable virtues that the ideal team player has. Any guess as to what three virtues make a person such a great teammate, somebody you want on the team? Any idea? Well, here are the three virtues. Patrick Lencioni and his, uh, his company, they've worked with really thousands of leaders. They've worked with hundreds of organizations um, from pro football teams to Fortune 500 companies. They've worked with churches all over the country. And based on their experience, he has found that the ideal team players are humble, they're hungry, meaning they are self-motivated and they're always looking to do more and to just do whatever they can to, to pull their weights and to contribute. And they are people smart. Those are the three indispensable virtues that Lencioni and his, his team have, have found makes the ideal team player. And, and when he talks about people smarts, He's talking about this ability to relate to others in the most effective ways. He says in, in description of, of what he means by people smarts that, that people, people with people smarts, they have good judgment and intuition around the subtleties of group dynamics and the impact of their words and actions. What I think is interesting is Lencioni, he doesn't say, you know what, the ideal team player has a tremendous intellect or a high IQ, right, he says they need to have a high EQ. EQ is an emotional intelligence, a high emotional intelligence. In the last five to ten years, if you read any kind of leadership books, if you uh, read anything about businesses and how they're trying to get better, they've been talking about They've all kind of figured out that we need people with a high emotional intelligence. If you do not have employees that have a high EQ, they're going to cause a lot of problems for your organization. How is emotional intelligence defined? Well, it's defined this way, and I would add this to Patrick Lencioni's definition of what people smarts are. Emotional intelligence... Intelligence is the capability of individuals to recognize their own emotions and those of others, to discern between different feelings and label them appropriately. It is also the capacity to use emotional information to guide thinking and behavior and manage and or adjust emotions to adapt to different environments and to achieve one's goals. Now, 
the nice thing about emotional intelligence is if, if your <laughs> EQ isn't very high, it's something that can be developed and strengthened. This morning, as we continue with our sermon series on, that we've titled True Worship, On Worship, we're going to continue talking about how we love God and worship Him with all of our heart, referring to the emotions of our heart. How do we love God? How do we worship Him with all the emotions of our hearts? And so I'm going to give you three key ways of doing this, and you're going to find that these three ways will actually help you to increase your emotional intelligence. Because here's the thing. If you cannot relate to yourself well, you're not going to be able to relate to other people well. If you can't lead yourself well, you're not going to be able to lead others well. So pray with me, and then we'll look at what the passage Brett read has to teach us about loving God with the emotions of our heart, worshiping him with the emotions of our heart, and how we can strengthen and develop our emotional intelligence. Lord Jesus, there's been a whole book written about your emotional intelligence, how you knew yourself so well, how you knew and uh, how to relate to the emotions that you experienced. And last week, Lord, we saw that you experienced the whole gamut of emotions. And Lord, because you were able to lead yourself well and because you were able to relate to yourself in the best ways possible, you were able to relate to others perfectly. You always knew what to say, when to say it. You knew when to uh, express more grace. You, you knew when a, when a relationship needed more truth. You knew. And it allowed you to be, obviously, extremely effective. Lord, help us to understand how we might live like you. Help us to understand how we may worship you and the Father and the Spirit with all the emotions of our hearts. Help us to know how we might grow emotionally because we need to grow emotionally if we're going to grow spiritually. Teach us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm just going to read not the whole passage that Brett read, but just uh, some of the verses here. So I'm going to read Psalm 55, verses 1 through 8. And then I'll go down to verse 16 and then read through 22. Verse 22. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. And horror has overwhelmed me. Talk about having a bad day, right? So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far, wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Selah, which means pause, reflect, listen, take it in. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Now, skip down to verse 16. 
As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me evening and morning, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, he, even he who abides from of old. Selah. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands against those who are at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than buddy, butter, buddy, butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. All right, so let me explain how this connects to what we're talking about. If you're going to love God with the emotions of your heart, and if your emotional intelligence is going to be strengthened and developed, you must do three things. And, it's, and, and these are the three. You must have an awareness. You must examine and you must express. So we have awareness, examination, expression. Let me talk about each one of these, starting with the first one. Loving God with your emotions takes awareness. Look, if we're going to love God with our emotions, if we're going to strengthen and develop our EQ, we have to first be aware of our emotions. How can we love, with God, love God with something we're not aware of? How can we develop something that we're not aware of, right? So many people are not in touch with their emotions. They're not in touch with their feelings. And the reason being, and this is what we talked about last week in part one of loving God with the emotions of your heart, is that they have bought into the lie that emotions are something that should be suppressed. Emotions are something that should be ignored. That emotions, you know, cloud good thinking. That they are a sign of weakness. That God can't speak to us through our emotions. And so they just write them off. And what has happened is that many people who have bought into that lie, they unconsciously just suppress emotions. They, they've gotten so good at it, that they're not even aware that they're doing it. You know that a person struggles with being in touch with how they're feeling emotionally by having a conversation with them. And if they say this in the conversation, if you say, say, say you're having a conversation with a person and they talk about you know, a conflict they had at work, and you ask them this question, well, how did that make you feel, right? And they're... Question, or their answer is, well, I thought I should have done this and this, and I thought they should have done, and you, no, 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 don't tell me what you think about the situation. What emotions came to the surface as you were dealing with that situation? And then they answer you by, what do you mean? And then you say, well, what? What, what, what feelings were you having? How did it make you feel? And then they respond to you and they say, they just look at you with a stare. Like you just asked them to solve the most ridiculous, complicated, mathematical problem on the face of planet Earth. And then after the stare, they say, I, I, I don't know. That's a telltale sign that a person is struggling 
to really understand and relate to their emotions. But if we're going to love God with them, we have to be aware of them. And if we're going to strengthen our emotional intelligence, we have to be aware of them. To be aware of our emotions, we have to stop long enough to be alone with ourselves to do a bit of self-reflection. And this is something that we all struggle to do because most of us, if not all of us, are overcommitted. I've said this many times. We are so overcommitted that we have no downtime, no space in our lives to stop, to pause, to reflect, to do self-reflection. We just go and react, and we do, and then we do some more, and we react, and we do. Look, the result is that many people do not know who they are. Many people do not know who they are. They really don't know who they are in their soul. In today's passage, King David was aware of his feelings, wasn't he? David was self-aware. He didn't suppress his feelings. He didn't ignore his feelings. In verse 2, he said he was distraught. In verse 4, he says that his heart is in anguish. In verse 5, he says that he feels fear and horror. And those feelings led to physiological effects such as trembling. David is aware of his emotional state. So practically speaking, how can you become aware of your emotional state? Well, one way to do this is through journaling. At the end of a day, think about your day. Think about the activities of your day. Then think about and jot down what were your emotions and your feelings as you went through those activities. This can take you as little as a few minutes at the end of a day. If Every day at the end of the day is, is too frequently. You can do this at the end of a week. Think about the week. Think about the activities. What were the most significant feelings you experienced as you went through your week? Researchers have classified the hundreds of emotions that we can experience in all of their subtleties into eight main groups, into eight main families. Here they are. Anger. Fury, so that's fury, hostility, irritability, annoyance. The second one is sadness, which is grief, self-pity, despair, dejection, loneliness. Fear, which includes anxiety, edginess, nervousness, fright, terror, apprehension. Enjoyment, which includes joy, relief, contentment, delight, Thrill, euphoria, ecstasy, love, which encompasses ex- ex- uh, acceptance, trust, devotion, adoration, surprise, which is shock, amazement, wonder, disgust, which is contempt, scorn, distaste, revulsion, and then shame, which is guilt, remorse, humiliation, embarrassment, chagrin. So take a look at this list. Do you feel any of these emotions right now? Think about your past week. Think about the events. What were the major emotions that you felt as you went through this last week? So that's the first step. We need awareness of our emotions if we're going to love God with all of the emotions of our hearts and develop our emotional intelligence. Secondly, 
Takeaway number two, loving God with our emotions takes examination. So it's not simply enough to be aware of your feelings. You've got to lean into your feelings. You've got to lean into your emotions. You've got to examine them by asking some really good questions. And you know what? This takes courage. You know why this takes courage? It doesn't take, if you have a lot of positive emotions, you don't have to be so courageous. If you were at the beach all week this past week, you probably had a lot of positive emotions. At least I hope you did. And that's not going to be too hard to lean into. Or if you, you know, a positive compliment from a coworker this past week that really brought you joy and encouragement, that's not going to be hard to lean into. But if you are having some, some, some po- or negative emotions, that's going to be harder for you to lean into. And that's why it takes courage. And I get it. If you have a free 30 minutes this week or next week, you probably don't want to take that 30 minutes to lean into your emotions. Um, I get that. You would probably rather do other things, especially if they're negative emotions. You'd probably rather do other things with that time. But it is short-term gain for long-term pain. I'm just saying. you got to lean into especially these reoccurring negative emotions. And so here are some questions that you can ask. How did this feeling affect me physiologically speaking? Did it lead to a lump in my throat? Did it lead to a knot in my stomach? Did it lead into me just feeling shaky and on edge? Did I experience a rush of of adrenaline? Did I feel like I could just throw up? I had an upset stomach. David experienced his body trembling. He was aware of it. Here's another question you can ask. What triggered this feeling? Was it a comment that was made to me? Was it a conversation? Was it the news that I watched this morning? Was it something I read? For David, you know what triggered his emotions? Was he, this whole passage is talking about a close friend that had betrayed him and is now looking to kill David. So David was very aware. This is what's calling, you know, causing all this to happen for me. Here's another question you can ask. What thoughts were connected to the feelings that I had? In other words, what was the script that I was playing in my mind as I experienced these emotions? What did I tell myself? Look at what David told himself. In verses 6 through 8, he says, Oh, he, he said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempt us. David was telling himself the script that he was playing in his mind was he wanted out. He wanted to move to Montana off the grid. He wanted out. Have you ever felt that way? Like, I just want to go bury my head in the sand, never to communicate or talk or face anything, you know, talk with anybody and face any circumstance that's difficult again. Another question you can ask is, how, do I re- how did I respond to those feelings? Did I fly off the handle? Did I try and suppress them? Did I get all lost in my mind? Did I withdraw from the people around me? And here's another question, the final question. How have I had these feelings before? Have I had them before? Is this a recurring feeling? Is this something that I'm experiencing with with some frequency? Is, you know, 
in the, in the past, how have I responded to this feeling? What was the context in the past? So once we become aware of our feelings, once we examine our feelings, the third and final step is you've got to express your feelings. Now, we got to let our emotions out. If we keep our emotions all bottled up in the inside, bouncing around, they're going to come out in all kinds of negative ways. We talked about it last week, stress, anxiety, depression. we got to get the emotions out. So who do we express both positive and negative emotions to? I'm going to give you two answers, two people. The one, first one is God. The second one is a trusted friend. Let's look at why we need to express our emotions to God. We see David doing this, don't we? He's not just being aware of his emotions. He's not just examining his, his emotions. He is expressing them to God. Here are three reasons why you need to express your emotions to God. The reason number one is this. It allows us to cultivate intimacy with Jesus. You know, when I pick up the boys from school... I want to know how their day was. I want to know how it went. I want to know what they were feeling. What did they learn? I want to know, most importantly, what was going on in their hearts. Now, if you ask a boy after school how their day was, you know what answer you're going to get, right? Fine. Good. So you got to ask really good questions. One of our favorites, favorite questions to ask our boys after school at dinner time was, what was your peak of the day and what was your pit of the day? Tell me what your peak was. Tell me what your pit was. And this is a bit of a side note, but I think this is important. The reason we ask what, what their peak was also and, and also ask what their pit was is because by asking that question, we're communicating to them that... It's okay to feel negative emotions. That the goal uh, of life and the, the success of a day is not measured by how much fun you had. It's okay to feel negative emotions. It's part of the human experience, right? Because if, we, if I just ask them at the end of each day, hey, did you have fun today? And that was the question I always ask them. Subconsciously, I'm going to be communicating to them that a successful day is having fun. That a successful day includes just those emotions. And negative emotions aren't something that you talk about. It's not something to think about or reflect on or to learn from. Bit of a side note. And you know what Mary and I do is we, sh we share our peaks and pits as well. And then we tell our boys how we responded to those peaks and pits, especially the, the pits of the day, so that they can see maybe some, hopefully, some healthy ways of responding to those negative things, and they can learn from our mistakes as well. So, I want to know what their emotional state is. Did anything cause them to be excited? Did anything cause them to be frustrated? Was there any moments when they were uncomfortable or afraid? Now, the reason I want to know their hearts is because I love them. 
and because I want intimacy with them. God is the same way with us. The first reason we need to express our emotions to God is because it cultivates an intimacy with God that pleases him. And it allows us to experience his care, his comfort, his love, and his concern for us. That's another reason why I want Elijah and Isaiah to share their hearts with me. Because I want to know, is there anything that they need help with? Are they experiencing negative emotions that they need help with? That's, that's reason number two. So God wants to help you with your negative emotions. When we are depressed, anxious, or angry, God wants to help. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your care, another, the NIV translation says anxieties, Cast all your anxiety, your care upon him, for he cares for you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation. In today's passage, in verse 16, David says, Hey, I'm going to call upon God because he will save me. David knew that he needed to draw near to God so that he could have that intimacy with God and so that he could have help with his negative emotions to get through the difficult situation he was in. Reason number three, you need to express your negative emotions to God. This is so critical. you got to catch this. God wants you to be able to see the emotions of your heart, because your emotions reveal the condition of your heart maybe like nothing else. This is, this is critical. So, if we don't know our emotions, we're not going to really know ourselves. And our hearts are tremendously deceptive, and that's why we can't do this alone. We need God's help to see and evaluate our emotions properly. Look, there are times when we have negative emotions, and it's actually the result of a godly heart. Maybe this past year you were just saddened by all the stuff that was happening in our public schools this past year and that we're praying against this year. That's, coming, that's a negative emotion that's coming from a godly heart. Maybe you feel great sorrow over the loss of a loved one. Godly emotion that's an emotion coming from a godly heart. Now, two speaks about times we have positive emotions that come from an ungodly heart. Proverbs chapter 2 speaks about those rejoicing in doing evil. Here we have rejoicing coming from an ungodly heart, right? This chapter is, you know, in Proverbs 2, it's saying, like, look, you can be rejoicing, and it can be coming from a place that is not good and that is ultimately harmful and sinful. But Proverbs 2, in verses 6 through 9, also tells us where we can really understand, who we need to go to to really understand where our emotions are coming from, whether it's godliness or ungodliness. And, of course, that is the Lord 
Let me read these verses to you. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. If we're truly going to understand what our emotions reveal about our hearts, we've got to do it with with God's help. Because the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? The answer is God knows it. Look, let me give you some examples. Let's say that you didn't get a promotion at work that you've been slaving away for the last five years. And the emotion that you feel is extreme disappointment. And when you come before God, when you examine this feeling with God's help, he helps you to see that the reason you're feeling such extreme disappointment is because you are looking to that role to bring you the love and the security that only God can bring you. Erwin Lutzer, he writes this, Have you ever thought that our disappointments are God's way of reminding us that there are idols in our lives that must be dealt with? I spoke with a pastor earlier this week, and he had a horrible Sunday at church a couple of Sundays ago. The, the whole service was a train wreck, he said, from beginning to end. He said he did horrible with his sermon, and when he left the service, he spent the whole day, like every 10 minutes, he was reminded of how horribly it went, and he was just riddled with, with shame and, and embarrassments. And what he did is he, he took these emotions to God, and he went before God to ask, what did, God, what do these emotions reveal about me? And this is what the Lord showed him. You care way too much about what people think. See how that emotion is revealing a condition of our heart that needs to be dealt with. He was praying. He said he committed to us pastors uh, For 15 minutes in the morning before the Sunday service, I'm going to be praying that I only care what God thinks this morning. Maybe you have an emotion of annoyance when you're driving, right? You're always annoyed and angered with other drivers. You're always irritable when you drive. Nobody even likes to be in the car with you. Have you ever considered, though, what these emotions reveal about your hearts? I see people smiling. I think I've seen some people going like this to the person next to them. Perhaps these emotions are really revealing self-righteousness in your heart that says you know how to drive and nobody else does, that you never annoy people with your driving, going way too fast or going right at the speed limit, Right? That you're so important that you should never have to wait in a traffic jam? You know who you're worshiping? The God of me. Look, if you're feeling worried, could it be that something in your life is being threatened and you think it's necessary when it is not? If you're angry, you can ask this. Is there something here too important you know, for me that, you know, that I have to have it at all costs? 
One person has said, when you pull your emotions up by their roots, you will often find your idols clinging to them. Look, this is why we have to be aware of our emotional life. There's too much information there for us to suppress, ignore. And if you're not aware of your emotions, you're going to continue to be an emotional infant, an emotional child, and you are not going to grow spiritually. You have to be able to grow emotionally if you're going to grow spiritually. I could say a lot of other things there. Last point, and then I'm done. Express your emotions to a trusted friend. So I gave you three reasons why you need to express your emotions to God. Cultivate intimacy with him um, so that he can reveal to you the condition of your heart about those emotions. And so you can get his help, his comfort, his aid when it comes to especially your negative emotions. Why then do you need to go to a trusted friend with your emotions? And this is where a lot of Christians, they don't do this. You know, they have this mentality that it's just me and God. It's just me and God. And it sounds real holy, but it's not. I'll tell you why. In the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, God creates everything. And everything is perfect, wonderful, and beautiful. No sin. Creates Adam as the zenith of his creative work. And then God says this. <laughs> One thing not good. It's not good for Adam to be alone. You mean, like, you think about that. He had creation. He had un- uh, unhindered relationship with the God of the universe. And it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Look, we were created for community. And if you have this lone ranger approach to life, and it's just me and God, you know what you're doing. You're saying, God, you don't know what you talk, you're talking about. You're, you're rebelling against the very fabric of the created order. You're rebelling against the very reality that God has created. And that never works. Look. Doing life without sharing deeply with other people is like a fish trying to live out of water. It does not work. If you do not have a habit of expressing your emotions not only to God, but also a trusted friend, your emotional growth is going to be stunted. You're not going to mature and reach your full potential emotionally. Your emotional intelligence is not going to be extremely high. Look, there are plenty of people who learn all about God, they do their devotions, they serve in the church for years, but they're still very emotionally immature. They're not really aware of their emotions, and they really don't know how those emotions are influencing them, which means then they're not very good in understanding other people's emotions. Look, a a trusted friend can make you aware of emotions that you have, can help you examine your emotions, can help you through negative emotions that you're experiencing, can rejoice with you with the positive emotions that you experience. They can help see, help you to see your emotional blind spots, and we all have them. 
They can help us to really understand what our emotions reveal about the true condition of our hearts. They can give us empathy when we need it, when we need comfort. They can help carry our emotional burden with us. Um, Very quickly, there's this beautiful story in 1 Samuel, and it involves King David. David, he's on the run. Saul, the king at the time, was looking to kill him. David, he's just in a really difficult spot. He's afraid and he's troubled. And he's aware of these emotions. And you can read about him being aware of these emotions and expressing them to God in Psalms 18, 54, 57, 59, Psalm 142. David writes about this, right? It's like his journal. But 1 Samuel tells us that David not only was aware of his emotions himself and expressed them to God, he also expressed his emotions to a trusted friend. And his name was Jonathan. It was actually Saul's son. Craziness. 1 Samuel 23 says this, and this is David talking to Jonathan. Actually, it's verse 1 and then verse Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And then he says in verse 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 20, There is but a step between me and death. And do you hear what David is doing? He is going to Jonathan, and he's saying, I'm confused. I am scared. I don't know what to do. I need help. I need a brother. And at the end of that very chapter, you find David and Jonathan, they're weeping together over the situation. In verse (laughs) 4, Jonathan tells David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. David and Jonathan were so transparent, so vulnerable, so open with each other that 1 Samuel 18.1 says that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. It's beautiful. Actually, there's such a bond here that some people have tried to, you know, confuse this as like a homosexual type of love. There's such a, a bond there. David is expressing his emotions to Jonathan during this very difficult time. All right, now if you fast forward into David's life, there comes an event when David uh, doesn't express his emotions to a trusted friend. Look at how, and what ends up happening is he commits adultery and then murder to cover it up. Look at how Samuel 11.1 sets up this story. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Do you catch that? All of David's mighty men, his companions, they were all out on the battlefield. David is back home in Jerusalem alone in isolation, no accountability, no one to share deeply with, no one to express his emotions to, and it cost him. And it wasn't until the prophet Nathan came to to David that David was able to see 
his sin. I want to ask you sin with Bathsheba. Look, we need each other in the Christian life. And so I want to ask you, do you have a Jonathan? Do you have a Jonathan? Do you have a Nathan? A Nathan can just speak the cold, hard truth to you. Do you have a Nathan in your life? Look, if you want to grow emotionally so that you can grow spiritually, you need one. Mary is often this for me. But you know what? I needed more. Not because she's deficient, because I'm so deficient, right? And so I, I've found this in a counselor. I've found this in a spiritual director. I've found this in our life group. I've found this in the pastors that I meet with. In fact, at our pastors' meeting this past Wednesday, you know what question we asked each other? How is it with your soul? Who's asking you? How is it with your soul? Do you have anybody asking you that question? Caleb's going to come up, and he's going to play for us. And I want you to consider the things we talked about. So take time to pause and to reflect. First of all, what emotions have you had this past week? I want you to consider that. What emotions have you had this past week? As he starts playing, go ahead, Caleb. Let's just pause with that. Let's just take a minute to consider the emotions that you had this past week. Now I want you to consider, you know, examine those emotions. How did the emotions that you experienced this past week, how did it affect you physiologically, physiologically? You know, what did you experience in your body? What triggered this feeling or those feelings that you had? What, what thoughts, what little script was playing in your mind as you experienced those emotions? How did you respond to those emotions? 
you fly off the handle? Did you try just to ignore them? Did you try to push them down? Did it cause you to withdraw from people around you? How did you respond to those feelings? Then ask yourself, have you had these feelings before? Is this a recurring feeling? If it is, what are the other contexts in which you've experienced the feeling? How have you responded to that feeling in the past? And then the third step, expression. I encourage you right now to express those emotions and those feelings to God. Lay them at his feet. Cast your cares on him. He cares for you. Ask before God. Ask, Lord, what do these emotions reveal about the condition of my heart? I encourage you to ask that and listen. God to help you to relate to those emotions in the right ways. Maybe you don't even know what those are. Ask him to reveal those to you. And then and then I ask you you now to, God, who can be my Jonathan? Who can be my Nathan? If you don't have one, ask him, lead me to one. Uh, reveal one to me at some point here. And if you already have a, a Nathan and a Jonathan, praise God for them in your life. What a gift. What a, what a blessing. Oh, that's one of life's greatest gifts. And if you have a Nathan or a Jonathan, maybe there's some emotions that you need to take the time to express uh, to, to that trusted friend that you haven't yet, but you need to. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us, every part of us that you love us with our emotions. You have given us emotions. It's part of your it's part of the fabric of your created world as, as well. Lord, we are broken people and so we often don't think and feel the right things to the right degree at the right time. Lord, help us to love you and worship you with with our emotions. Help us to be aware of them. Help us to to, to examine them. Help us to, 
to bring them to you and to a trusted friend. And Lord, we trust that as we do, you'll increase our emotional maturity, that our emotional intelligence will grow greater, that we'll have a a better understanding of who we are and who you are so that we are then better equipped to relate and to love other people that have, of course, emotions too. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.